I was debating doing like a werewolf howl, but I think I will just find a sound effect so that I spare your ears and my dignity that experience. Of course, Jules speaking, uh, joined by my co-hosts, Eric. Hello! Oak. Hello. <laughs> and Chef. Yup. And we are a longtime playgroup during the multiverse in the hopes of blowing up both our game and yours. And we are back talking about Magic the Gathering cards, specifically old Magic the Gathering cards, in preparation for some new Magic the Gathering cards. This is an installment of our Who could have thunk it? From the Vault. I know, right? <laughs> our From the Vault series, uh, where we go back and we reflect on uh, a block from days past and kind of tell you what's good about that block, what are good cards, what you should play, what you shouldn't play, yada, yada, yada. We are this week doing the original Innistrad block. That's Innistrad, Dark Ascension, and then Avacyn Restored. Of course, in preparation for the new Innistrad set, the return to return to Innistrad, Midnight Hunt. I don't see any reason to dilly-dally any further. Shall we just get into our first topic? And that is, uh, Innistrad is a set of tribes. Which of those tribes would you most want to have your back in a street fight? Because let's be real, people are always scrapping on Innistrad. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Team Edward here. I think uh, vampires are definitely the, the way to win supremacy on Innistrad. Taking just straight numbers, they're getting a set in the fall, which you can't say about zombies or humans. It's not Innistrad. Well, it could be Innistrad Human Hunt, but that doesn't really make humans the, the winners. The most in that dangerous scenario. game. <laughs> um, they're some of the oldest power players on Innistrad. They're like one of the first attempts we saw for magic for like these power families. Uh, Olivia Valderan has been around in both of the sets and kicking some major ass. They can also fly. They're pretty much immortal. Um, and then when it comes to the other tribes, humans are, are just vampires waiting to happen or fast food. Uh, so they're not really a concern. Werewolves, you just sling two bolts of lightning at them and they turn into humans again. So like they, they, they can't really last for long. The only real enemy that I see for my vampire uh, compatriots are zombies because if you bite their neck they kind of just lose part of their neck and still want to hit you I, i'm a little worried about zombies but they're also dumb as bricks so you get enough vampires together can kind of smoke them out of there i'll be on team vamp see chev what you fail to realize is that sling two bolts is the answer to any problem in magic <laughs> almost any problem can it survive two lightning bolts the new doom blade test anyways i'm gonna i'm gonna go with werewolves i'm team whatever the other guy's name was jason Jacob. Jake's Jacob. So, werewolves don't really have, like, any good commanders. There are, uh, there's, like, Ulrich of the Crown Horde, I think. But I think the werewolves got a lot going for them. And, uh, Chev, I think, deep down, you really like werewolves more. I mean, I've seen your werewolf deck, uh, in action, and that thing's pretty nasty. I also saw a werewolf Oathbreaker deck from Rest you. in peace of that form. And I, I know, like, in, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, I feel like, uh, the whole two spell thing is mostly a magic exclusive uh, issue with werewolves, whereas uh, vampires, on the other hand, in many forms of media, have an issue with the sun. Now, in the sun, werewolves just turn back into humans. Vampires turn into dust. <laughs> uh, sunblock. We've come a long way since then. In this house, we praise the sun. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so, at, at their worst, they are just humans. Maybe they maybe they smell kind of funny. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but <Little mangy. laughs> at night, at night they get vicious. They get they get strong as hell. And so, uh, honestly, um, the one thing I think Chev we do agree on is that the only problem here might be zombies because they're kind of they're pretty dumb. But you know what? In Magic, they're two twos, and there's a lot of them. <laughs> so we'd like to hear from the zombies case now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, to be real. I would like to present negative elements of my case, but I'm legitimately unconcerned. I think that zombies are just insane on this plane. And, like, there's a little bit of a cheeky reason behind my thoughts on this, which is that zombies have to come with the necromancers. Like, the humans who raise and, like, control the zombies have got to be part of that team. And some of the best necromancers in all of magic lore that we know of come from this plane. Namely, like, Ludovic, Gisa, and Geralt are all on this plane, are all necromancers, and would all be fighting with the zombies. So, A, you just get some straight thugs. <laughs> B, there's just so damn many of them. All humans are just, as Chev pointed out, waiting to join my team. <laughs> but I have the added benefit 
of all animals are also waiting to join my team. <laughs> the only real concern I had before this was that vampires can fly in magic lore, and especially on this plane, they, they, they just kind of flit around through the air, and you're like, oh, that's kind of annoying. But uh, Oakley just made the great point of they can't be outside during the day, and uh, zombies take no issue with that. Zombies are great daytime horror, and so... Um, Probably smell a little worse, but... yeah. Not a huge concern for me. I I can't support any tribe that can be beaten by plants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I get it. I get it, and it's good. I apologize. <laughs> Give me a pea shooter. Give me a sunflower, and uh, you guys are done. So Julian will be presenting a case for the tree folk. <laughs> <laughs> what a deep cut. That's true. I was... <laughs> I, yo, dude, it's just it's just that one, that one fucking... What is that mythic rare tree? From Innistrad. Tree of Perdition? Yes. Perdition. No, 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 no. Well, there's um, Tree of Perdition, but there's also... Tree of Redemption. Yeah, that one. There you go. It's... it's, Dude, that thing will block your zombies all day long. That's all I'm saying. It will block one zombie all day long. <laughs> <laughs> that leaves me, and um, I somewhat got the short end of the stick. It's okay. You can... You know that vampires is a superior tribe. You can just join me. Listen, listen. There's only... There's only... Yeah, you don't have to pick a different one. I... What, we always pick all different ones, except usually there's way more than four options when we do when we do the <laughs> when we do the picking thing. Um, I I probably I probably would pick vampires because let's be real, freaking vampires are like they're like basically immortal. They're like historically just super overpowered. But uh, listen, I gotta rep my own species, the humans, right? And uh, humans have, a, have humans are 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 fragile, right? But we got a few things going for them. One, smart as shit. You know, we, we live on a planet that's got fucking lions and tigers and bears and oh my other crap. And uh, we're, we're top of the food chain. We don't give a fuck about those dudes. Um, but also humans, we're, we're scrappy. We're scrappy as shit, you know? I, you know? Fucking cavemen, they were coming through. They were just like, I'll, I'll club a saber-toothed tiger in the head. Do the same thing to a werewolf. <laughs> fuck a motherfucker up. Um, damn, I'm going to have to probably censor a little bit of that. Uh, I, think, I think a lot, actually. Yeah, but uh, yeah, anyway. We, we are not scared of some, some mangy mutts and some flamboyant alb- albinos. That's all I can say. Zombies, maybe a little bit, but there's enough there's enough zombie uh, cultural media that I'm sure we can we can figure out a, a tried and true method to at least stave them off. You know, just put a big fence. Well, the the easy answer is kill the necromancers. <laughs> what are they gonna do? Which you know, I guess that that does bring a point. Like maybe maybe the necromancers are like technically on the human side, but usually when one of these things sort of happens, that they, they kind of just want everyone except themselves to die. So whatever. But uh. Yeah, we can just, I don't know, just build a big fence and just put all the zombies in that fence and just be like, here, you guys can have Australia because no one needs that death trap anyway. <laughs> I like that worst case scenario, or not, not worst case, like best case scenario, you give up a continent to the zombies and you're like, just just take that. We'll, we'll live over here. We'll move. Don't worry. We've resolved this. I am correct. Zombies win. Let's move on. Julian, I couldn't help but notice that your uh, favorite transform card is also a human, at least partially. Ah, very true, very true. Uh, Innistrad was it's the also first partially uh, something else. Was was the first uh, set to have transform cards. These are not flip cards because Kamigawa has to make things difficult. But they're the first transform cards where they're dual face cards. Oh yeah, dual face cards. Uh, and uh, mine is Chosen of Markov. So Chosen of Markov is not flashy whatsoever. Uh, it is it is but a lowly human, a, a two and a black for a creature human. It's a common. It's a 2-2, two, two, and it's got uh, an ability that says tap it, tap an untapped vampire you control, transform Chosen of Markov. It transforms into Markov's Servant, which is a 4-4 four, four vampire with flavor text. Not a flashy card by any means, not a mythic rare like uh, the rest of the boys chose, but I, I love this card because it is... It's simple, it's concise, and it is a perfect representation, um, flavor-wise and other, of what transform cards are. And I think that's a lot of what Innistrad does, right? You just have this this human who is serving the Markov house willingly or not. I don't know. She looks she looks like she's kind of into it. She's chilling. But, um, you know, one of the vampires taps, a.k.a. bites this, uh, this servant. She needs some time to recover because she has to tap two, and then she turns into a vampire and she becomes even stronger, right? Doubling her power and her toughness. So simple, so to the point, really nailed what transform cards are supposed to be. I like that. I mean, Innistrad is a goat for a lot of things, and this is definitely part of it. All right, cut the bullshit, Julian. We know why you really like this card. Hey, now, hey, now. Hey, now. (laughs) She's not even showing that much. Listen. I will say there are definitely some dime piece vampires on Innistrad. I will give you that, Chev. 
Alright, I'm gonna go ahead and talk about a little knife now, uh, just to move on from that comment. My choice was Elbrus the Binding Blade. Uh, it is a 7-mana equipment that offers you the rousing effects of equip for 1 mana. Equipped creature gets plus 1, plus 0. Ooh. And that's it. But actually, there is one more small effect, which is when equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, unattach it, and transform it. It transforms into Withengar Unbound, a giant, like, bone-and-flesh demon. Looks a lot like the final boss of, like, uh, the most recent Doom game. Uh, it has flying, intimidate, and trample, and whenever a player loses the game, put 13-1-1 counters on Withengar Unbound, and he's a 13-13 base. So, in your commander pod, uh, man's a threat. Like an actual legitimate threat. <laughs> <laughs> just lose the game yourself. But easy. He gets huge. This is another one that's honestly just really good flavor of, like, on this plane that's just filled with everything that is just awful and, like, spooky. There's just this knife that contains this horrifying demon that is just ready to destroy things. It's as, it is as powerful as Emrakul in, like, power and toughness stats. It is just one drop of blood away from being a disaster. Great card. Also, it's a bad card. I, I need to emphasize that. It's a seven-mana equipment that does nothing. What if we rule zeroed it so that you could play it as your commander? I would love that. I'm fine with it. Make it happen. I'll go, I'll go next. If you're uh, big into modern, perhaps, magic, you may have heard of this card. Uh, it's probably the best werewolf, realistically the best werewolf in uh, the entirety of magic in terms of usefulness. Uh, this is Huntmaster of the Fells. Um, he starts off as a 2-2 with an ETB where you get to make a 2-2 green wolf and you gain 2 life uh, for, for 4 mana, by the way, so on rate. When he transforms, he becomes a 4-4 with Trample. You get to keep the wolf, 6 power and toughness for 4 mana, and he pings an opponent and one of their creatures for 2. And then if he transforms back, you get another wolf, and another two life. What's not to love about this card? I just wish Jund was good. This is how all werewolves should work, where you get things on both sides of the card. I was just thinking that, like, a few minutes ago, Eric. That's so funny. <laughs> like, yeah, there should be an incentive to, like, not want to flip them one way or another. You know what I mean? Because it's, like, it's hard enough to not cast a spell in a turn. Yeah, I mean, if you cast two, it's like, okay, he transforms back and he's, like, weaker, but maybe you get... Just like it doesn't have to be two life and a and a creature. It could just be like two life or deal one damage or something or something yeah. like that. Minor benefits if your werewolves get screwed over. When we inevitably get at least one werewolf commander in uh, Midnight Hunt, I'm assuming the the ability will be more applying to all werewolves or something when they flip. Because I'm assuming at this point werewolves are too far with that two spell kind of idea to really change it. We saw a little bit of a change in Eldritch Moon, but that was just because they were werewolf to Eldritch Horror as opposed to human to werewolf. But I think we'll see something like a trigger for whenever they switch one way or the other. You know, Chev, I was thinking about that, and kind of like the whole premise behind Midnight Hunt is that the day-night balance has been severely upset. Maybe, lore-wise, they could justify some reason that, like, the plane's all topsy-turvy now, so the werewolves are just always werewolves, and they're always killing people, except, you know, <laughs> not, like, just sometimes. So, it'd be cool if they, like, fix that, because I think that is, honestly, like, a horrible mechanic. What about the moon's always out, even during the day, because Emrakul's hanging out in the moon, and it messed it moon up or ain't something? going anywhere. <laughs> um, my pick is, is near and dear to my heart. It is Garrick Relentless. A Planeswalker, four mana for three. I think the first Planeswalker I ever bought, when it has two or fewer loyalty counters on him, transform him to Garrick the Veil Cursed. Uh, two abilities to put a 2-2 green wolf and one to deal three damage to target creature. Then that creature deals damage equal to its power to him. At which point he will transform and be able to make 1-1 one, one black wolves, sacrifice a creature and tutor a creature card from your library to your hand, or... A minus three that gives creatures you control trample and get plus X plus X until end of turn or X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. When Oakley and I originally kind of started getting into ideas of magic outside of the block of cons, one of the first things we did at a new store that sold singles in the area was try to make a werewolf versus skeleton dual deck uh, <laughs> idea. I, I had werewolves. Oakley had the unfortunate um, privilege of manning a skeleton deck. Uh, and 
if you ever thought werewolves could be slightly OP, even when they transform out of their very powerful selves by just playing two spells, um, that's the pair up you want. Having Garrick Relentless on the field was totally awesome. And being able to make that sort of legion of wolves was one of the first times I felt super powerful as a planeswalker. Definitely the main problem with the skeleton deck is that Death Baron was around $17 at the time. Yeah. And I think I owned one and I wasn't ready to shell out for more. So my skeletons <laughs> were not getting Death Touch and plus one plus one anytime soon. Well, should we talk about Commander now? Uh, we should always talk about Commander. Obviously. It's been too long. I've, I've got an itch. I'd love to talk about Commander. We're going to talk about our favorite commanders, but I got to say... <laughs> there's only 11 legendary creatures in the entire block across all three sets, which blew my mind. I wish it wasn't favorite commander. If it was favorite legend, I would have picked Gristlebrand because, I mean, it's freaking Gristlebrand, but he's not even legal, so there's really only like 10, 10 options. <laughs> um, is that 11 counting the dagger that I talked yep, about earlier? It is. Oh, so, oh, oh, so there's, no. only, there's only a... <laughs> Nine There's nine in. legal commander choices. Yeah, and also, like, a lot of them are base white or base black, but then the only one that has green, I'm waiting to be corrected if I'm wrong, um, is uh, You're not. my pick, Sigarda Host of Herons. So I don't know why it is that I turn into Eric for this pick, but that's how it is. Uh, a Selesnia sort of hate bear thing. Sigarda is a five mana, so she's two generic, a green, and then double white for an angel, five, five. Five mana, five, five, not bad. She's got flying and a hexproof. That's already an evasive, protected threat. Uh, the control mage in me is giddy. You know, wrath, play this thing, and then peck you to death, basically. Or beat you to death with her long Pain. stick. Yeah, yeah, it's like a cane. It's like a walking <laughs> stick, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also, she says, spells and abilities your opponent's control can't cause you to sacrifice permanence. It's just icing on the cake. Like, there's just so many incidental things that kind of do that, especially since it's easy to have hexproof or indestructible or whatever threats in EDH. A lot of times people get around that sort of thing by playing sacrifice effects. And it's just like, sorry, I'm, I'm big chilling. That won't get you around uh, torment of Hailfire though. Right. Because on that, it's a choice between sacrificing and losing life. So in that case, are you forced to lose life? <sighs> I don't actually know. I think so. Cause or that discard would be a card, right? Oh, that's true. You can discard a card. Yeah, but you're going to run out of cards quick. If anyone's casting a Torment of Hailfire worth anything. I don't know, maybe, but that's a separate case. <laughs> if you have put Torment of Hailfire on the stack for any reasonable amount of X, we don't even worry about Sigarda. There are other problems that we need to deal with at that moment <laughs> in time. So, so sh shut the fuck up, Jeb. But uh, yeah, I like Sigarda. And uh, also, I got to shout out Sigarda spoilers for Return to Innistrad and now Return to Return to Innistrad. But she is the only angel left um, because Avison got herself killed and... Uh, Gisela and Bruna went crazy because they just loved noodles too much. So they just super say infusioned. It's fine. But are are there any? Because I know there's a bunch of like minor angels that were on this plane. Are any of them left? Yeah, I I don't know if they've been like. Maybe that's part of Midnight Hunt. Is like maybe, I think part of the whole like the whole day night balance is that now that there's only Sigarda, she's like kind of like hold up with the humans. Like all right, we we got to stick together here because shit's getting bad. So I don't know. Nobody maybe go outside. You'll all die. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe a bunch of the angels have been like hunted down. I don't know. Well, someone who might be doing the hunting is, uh, is Chev's Chev's commander. This, this guy is scary. He's spooky. My, my legendary is very interested in murdering all these humans. It is Grim Grin, the corpse born. It's a five, five for five, uh, three blue and a black. When it enters the battlefield, it is tapped and doesn't untap during your untap step. So kind of a downer. But you can sacrifice another creature to untap it, put a 1-1 counter on Grimgrin, and then whenever it attacks, destroy target creature defending player controls, then put a 1-1 counter on Grimgrin. So you got a lot of things going on. It's kind of like choose your own Annihilator, which I am a big fan of the Annihilator mechanic. But I, I really like the sort of space that Grimgrin kind of takes up because um, we kind of saw something similar with the Gitrog monster when we went back to Innistrad the second time, where we have a very powerful upside paired with a, a downside that you kind of have to find a way to overcome in, a, in an interesting way. Um, I think the upside here is slightly smaller potentially, but it's kind of this this idea where you have to give to sort of get from these creatures. And, and I think it makes it a little bit more like technical and can kind of sink your teeth into. Mainly I see two possible paths for this commander. One, and they, there's obviously a ton of overlap between them. Um, everything's got to do with zombies. One is to make a mass of those 2-2 zombie tokens we kind of talked about earlier, Eric's Tribe, uh, that can keep Grimgrin coming and supplied 
and keep getting rid of them to make Grimgrin huge. Uh, things that will kind of help the strategy are Grave Titan, Diagraph Colossus, and the new Acerarak, the Archlet. The other way to kind of do this is zombies are really big on recursion. Uh, so we have things like Grave Crawler, Grave Crawler and Relentless Dead. And then you can utilize those sacrifice triggers from Grimgrin and otherwise with things like Dictate of Erebos or Zelopore Cutthroat. So kind of either you make Grimgrin the centerpiece of your strategy or you allow Grimgrin to be a beautiful, beautiful sack outlet. All I want to do, play a four or five color deck and attack with Grimgrin while I've got MF and Wolfgar on the field. Destroy two target creatures. Mm. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's a lot of build up, but I'd be here for it. I will allow them to partner straight up. <laughs> <laughs> they do kind of look like they'd be friends. Wolfgar's kind of that guy where he's like, damn, you're ugly, but... You're fun to be around. And Grimgrin's just like, <laughs> the, the classic of like the hook is going slowly towards Wolfgar in every scene and Wolfgar just misses it each time. Uh, or, or like Wolfgar's fully aware of it and just like baps it away and is like, oh, you. Anyway, let's kill them instead. <laughs> I got to say in the early days of college, which was still like pretty early magic for us, my good friend had a Grimgrin deck. And let me tell you, one day, one day that deck... Went turn three, land, dark ritual, grim grin, and I never recovered <laughs> that game. <laughs> it was just killing. I would play one creature a turn, and it would just kill it, kill it, kill it. And I was oh, like, no. That's this deck's unstoppable. <laughs> Seriously, though, the sack outlet is very good. Sort of going along with that, I think, um, actually, Chev, my pick would be pretty good in a grim grin deck, because mine is Micaeus the Unhollowed, and he gives all non-human creatures you control plus one, plus one, and undying. So, you sack something to Grimgrin, untap them, swing again, sack them again. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, besides just uh, being like a good synergist with sack outlets, um, this guy's also great with ETB and dies triggers. So, of course, we gotta get my man Gary in here, uh, who is also, just happens to be a zombie. So, uh, you know, plus one, plus one, undying. You sack him to something, I don't know, play some play something else, like Visser Seer or Astronaut's Altar. Yo, he comes back, he deals a bunch more damage, pretty good. Also, plus one, plus one, and by extension, minus one, minus one counters. I know that there's gotta be something in Abzan that's like, creatures you control with plus one, plus one counters. Like, you know, black, have X, Y, or Z. And then, like, there's a bunch of black cards that give minus one, minus one counters, so just like, you know, sack a dude. Get him back with a plus one, plus one. Put a minus one, minus one on him, then sack him again. <laughs> you know? There's, there's got to be something like that. Uh, but there's a lot of avenues, I think, with this guy. Uh, even though he's just mono black. Oak, I gotta say, I mean, if you're talking about stuff like that, you're probably talking about persist creatures. And since you're talking about Grimgrin, that's blue-black. This guy with the Glenelenja Archmage is pretty fucking dirty. This is true, yes. Or Woodfall Primus, true. if you want to go Golgari. So how does that work? They have persist and undying, and do they just cancel each other out? Both trigger, they, it tries to come back with one of each, they cancel out, and then... It just comes back. <laughs> yeah, it just goes forever. Anyway, I'm going to talk about something else that does stuff with plus one, plus one counters. It's Olivia Voldaren. Two, a black and a red for a flying 3-3 three, three vampire. She has two activated abilities, one and a red. Deal one damage to target creature. That creature becomes a vampire in addition to its other types. And put a 1-1 one, one counter on Olivia. And her second ability of three black black... Gain control of target vampire for as long as you control Olivia Voldaren. This card, uh, we're going to talk about flavor wins later. This card is nothing if not a massive flavor win for how you would expect any vampire to operate. It bites them, it deals one damage to them, it turns them, they become a vampire, and then she brings them under her control and makes them her thralls until she leaves the battlefield. She is just a perfect representation of a vampire through D&D MTG mechanics, sorry. But I like that this can be built in a couple different ways. You could legitimately build a deck where Olivia is your only creature, and at, like, a low-mid power level, you're just like, I will take every creature that enters the battlefield because I'm running big black mana or, like, red rituals, stuff that just keeps mana flowing, uh, and you just amass an army based off of whatever anyone else plays. These are both instant speed abilities. You could take control of every creature at the instant it hits the board if you have seven mana for it which is just super cool but then the other way to build it is you can kind of ignore the second ability 
and focus mostly on just turning your own creatures into vampires. Just making it so that everything is a vampire, and so then you get a lot of benefit off of cards like uh, Stoneforge Masterwork and Coat of Arms that are just general tribal support. You can make sure everything is a part of whatever tribe you want, even if it's sort of outside of that lane. But then there are also cards that have pretty solid uh, vampire synergy, like Sanctum Seeker, Kalidus Trader of Get, and Malakir Blood Witch are all great examples. Is there anything you can do with the tribal changeling spells from Lorwyn? Um, I know there's a couple that kind of can give a creature all creature types. Could that be played kind of offensively maybe on another opponent's creature and kind of gain control of it without needing to do that first ability? I think you could do that. I, I didn't look at them to see if any of them were in color and less than two mana. Because two mana really is pretty efficient for make something a vampire. Very true. And also, you don't always have to turn it. Olivia can just bleed them dry. It does a damage. So if your opponent has like their commanders out, they're 2-2, two, two, they're being a problem, you can just pay for it and kill it if you don't want control of it. I think another great thing to note is that every time you deal that one damage, Olivia gets a plus one, plus one counter. So like you can be murking their stuff and she's growing, or if you just have like a four, four end of turn, hit it three times. Now she's a six, six or a whatever, whatever. And now you have a huge flying threat. Yeah. I I did also forget to mention that that is also a great part of like the vampire power fantasy here of just like, as you're bleeding these creatures dry, like Olivia is growing and becoming a more powerful vampire as she turns more and more people. But uh, one other cool thing is that some cards just are vampires. Sometimes Olivia doesn't need to turn them. She can just be like, I am in charge here. And if your opponent plays a vampire just because it's good, there were a bunch of vampires printed in uh, Ixalan. Oh, Ixalan. Like, there's a bunch of vampires from Ixalan that are plenty worth playing. And so there's certainly vampires in the commander rotation that Olivia will just see hit the battlefield and will be like, get over here. The only vampire that I'm interested in taking control of? Mirror Entity. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> anyway, yeah, like I was saying, uh, very few cards to pick from, and all good cards, but underwhelming compared to the wealth of commanders that we have nowadays. So It'll be interesting to see which of these cards return in uh, Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow. We know that Olivia is the bride for Crimson Vow, which is the vampire wedding set. Uh, so we'll probably see a new form of her as well. Yeah, I'm pretty confident Sakarta will come back because I think she has a major story role to play. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think Grimgrin or Micaeus will be making an appearance. But if they did... Micaeus, the rehollowed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold on. Red. Micaeus is the priest. Grimgrin's just like... The best man! <laughs> Grimgrin, truly the best man of all men. How could you not be the best man when you're clearly several men stitched together? Jesus, Jesus Christ. Anyway... On a completely different note, let's talk about one of our favorite categories across all of these, uh, underrated cards. Obviously, people are playing Snapcaster Mage. We know that. Liliana the Veil, <laughs> she's a good card. But what about the cards that you don't know about? The cards that you might be looking down on even though they're actually real heaters. Boys, what do you got? I got a, a real spicy one, I think, um, and that is Back from the Brink. Is that a blue it's card? It's a six-mana blue card. It's an enchantment. Oh, wow. And it, it it's exile a creature card from your graveyard and pay its mana cost. Put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of that card and activate only at sorcery speed. There's a couple caveats here, right? Like, you, you exile from your graveyard and you still have to pay the mana cost, but you really can't look a gift horse in the mouth when you're dealing with creature recursion in blue. If you're not capable of getting back these creatures from the graveyard in any other way, you're not running black in your deck, this is a fantastic way to get some of your key players back for a kind of round two. Utilize those ETBs, get things back on the board after a wipe. Um, maybe your Thassa's Oracle got countered the first time around and you're trying to bring it back. It's, it's very worth the investment, even if you have two or three of these targets in the graveyard for this ability because it's not like you're going to be getting them back some other way uh in blue red you could do something like a dockside extortionist for a second trigger that would be particularly heinous um the the best card to probably compare this to is gift of the god pharaoh that at the beginning of god pharaoh's gift god pharaoh's gift at the beginning of combat exile a creature from your graveyard return it to the battlefield as a four four um which is is pretty solid but this allows you to do as many as you have the mana for uh, you also don't have to do it at the beginning of combat. 
It does have to be sorcery speed, but it, you have a lot more flexibility for that additional cost. So it's obviously not going to be great for every deck, but if you're running a sort of low to the ground, maybe even blue-red with like small creatures that care about casting instants and sorceries, this is a good piece to have on hand in mid to kind of like casual games. I think the best thing about this card is that this is just like a solid source of recursion. This is basically just like, hey, every good creature that you play, you now just have two copies of. It's basically just like here. here is an extra 10 cards in your deck that you have access to except they're only the best ones. And that's always underrated. Something that I, I quickly want to bring up, maybe maybe we know the rules, maybe we don't. Because the activation of the ability is to exile the creature card from your graveyard and pay its mana cost, I don't know if someone can respond to it and exile the creature from your graveyard like they could with no, God Pharaoh's no. Gift. So it but gives yeah. you that little bit of leg up too. I mean, you can only do that kind of once because this is sorcery speed, so you'd need to wait for the stack to clear again. But you have less options as an opponent to interact when they want to bring something back. The only way to really deal with it is to get rid of the enchantment itself. Yeah, I really dig this card. Also has banger flavor text. That flavor text being on Innistrad, death is just a career change. I was hoping someone was going to read it. There's a lot of options for undeath. We got vampires, we got zombies, we got ghouls, <laughs> we got demons. Like Skeletons. It's just very true. <laughs> Skeletons. <laughs> I also got to say, I had to check back on this, what this card did. So as Chev was was like, oh, it's back from the brink. I typed back from the brink into Google and just say enter. And I did not put MTG on the end. And uh, my first two my first two options are the call to prevent nuclear war.org back from the brink and back from the brink, save from extinction. The remarkable story of three animal species rescued from extinction. Both amazing reads. Not what I was looking for. Much less exciting than this card and also than stopping nuclear war. Uh, a card I like, but I, I think it deserves to see more play, but probably not a ton more, is Demon Male Hallberg. Uh, it is a four mana equipment that I believe gives plus four, plus two, mm -hmm. and has an equip cost of sacrifice a creature. This is an infinite sack outlet that is an artifact. It just kind of lands itself immediately among the all of the other infinite sack outlets that are artifacts. Uh, but this one has some interesting synergies. If you have a deck that cares about, like, <laughs> i agree that is a very interesting synergy eric ah yeah uh discord just decided that that was the moment that it needed to restart absolutely no <laughs> questions asked but yeah it has interesting synergies with anything that cares about like creatures becoming equipped or um like equipment moving around the battlefield all can work with this within that realm but still at the end of the day it is a free sack outlet it's Nova Saraseer, but uh, it's something that I would definitely consider running in any deck that cared a lot about artifacts or anything like that. To be fair, it is a sack outlet in any deck that's not running black, which often if you're doing sacrifice things, you would be running black. But if you are in some weird brew, this is a colorless option. Yeah. A, in a budget colorless option at that, because Phyrexian Altar is an expensive card. This one also has banger flavor text that no one mentioned. It comes off as easily as your own skin. <laughs> Ew. Ew, Ned. Uh, dude, the, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about art later, but this this art is pretty gnarly. All right. Uh, for mine, I chose red card because I haven't mentioned any of those yet. Uh, this, oh, no, it's like Huntmaster of the Fells. <laughs> um, this one's mono red, though. This is Charmbreaker Devils. It is a six mana uh, devil creature. It's a 4-4, four, four. and sort of following Chev's theme, it's within its scope of its color, you don't see enough really ways to, or enough like similar cards. So what Charmbreaker Devils does, or the more important part of what it does probably, is uh, during your upkeep, it gets you an instant or sorcery back at, from your graveyard at random. Uh, it goes in your hand. So th there's recently been a little bit more love for Recursion in Red, but... For a color that cares so much about, like, casting a lot of big instants and sorceries, there's really just not enough recursion. I could probably put it all on, like, one hand. You got, like, Anarchist, this card, Shreds of Sanity, Volcanic Vision, and there was one more that was just printed in, um, uh, MH2. Oh, right. But that, that, well, that's it. We need some more. We need, we need more than that, in case we're not running blue. So, at the beginning of your upkeep, get an instant or sorcery back. It's the gift that keeps on giving. You just gotta make it once around the table. <laughs> also, um, if your opponents happen to be running, running no creatures, whenever you cast an insert sorcery spell, Charmbreaker Devils gets plus four plus oh until the end of the turn. So, just like, 
clear paths with some instants and sorceries and get in there for like 16 damage casting three spells. That's a lot of damage. That sounds like just like the best way to win for me. <laughs> um, that's it. <laughs> this one doesn't have uh, Well, actually, since there. Eric's uh, just vanished again, I, I can go on for another one minute talking about this. Um, so you might be thinking to yourself, especially Julian. I know Julian hates random effects and magic. You might be thinking to yourself, oh, it's random. That card sucks. Well, sure, it's not the best, but as we all know, there are ways to get around the sort of randomness in magic. For example, if you want to cast a nice murderous cut, delve a few unwanted instants and sorceries out of your graveyard, that's one way to do it. And also, if you know there's a kind of spell that you're like always going to want to cast, like removal, for example, just run a lot of that. <laughs> and even if you have like three removal spells and one non-removal spell in your graveyard, that's still a three out of four chance to get the spell you want, essentially. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd say throw this in any Pulsinger deck with red and no blue. Uh, that's pretty much a solid option. I mean, I would run this even in an Is it deck just because it's more, and like you said, this thing just beats face. And there's plenty yeah. of uh, cheap blue spells that are just like, target creatures unblockable. Well, boom. He's already hitting for eight just if you cast that spell. Yep. And that's a lot of damage. Or if you're talking blue, you've got all those cantrips too. So it's like, yeah, okay, I accidentally got back an opt as opposed to a removal spell, but I can just draw another card with this and continue. It's true. Or like a Gitaxian probe, two life, whatever, four more damage. <laughs> all right, Julian, what what you got for us? What what hidden tech are you uh, going to show us today? I picked a black card. It's a, it's a demon. It's a blood gift demon. Three black black for a 5-4 flying demon. At the beginning of your upkeep, target player draws a card and loses one life. Literally just for Exine Arena. Just a, a monetarily way cheaper for Exine Arena that can punch you in the face. And also, if you want to play political, it says target player. So I can be like, Chev, why don't you have a card? Or, Chev, you're at one life. Why don't you have a card? And then exit the game. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, Julian giving away card draws is not anything. It doesn't matter how politically beneficial it would be. Julian's going to draw his card. Even if he's at one life and I'm at two, he's going to draw the card. It's, <laughs> that's just the way Julian play. I'm not going to lie. I've had Phyrexian Arena basically kill me several games. So if I could <laughs> redirect that every now and then, I would take that opportunity. I, I think I, I, I first got that card in the, the C14 black uh, Commander Precon. And it was it, it did it did work with Obnixie. Yeah, it's simple. Just play the card. It's accessible. Also, I just want to throw a shout out to Bramble Crush and Victim of Night. They're not fancy cards by any means, but just just play them. They're just good. Just kill stuff, kill kill creatures, and then kill non creatures. Just just play those cards. Mm. Yeah, victim of the night will be good. Just probably wait to include it in your deck till six months after Crimson Vow. Uh, in that time, you're going to see a lot of werewolves, vampires, zombies, and whatever the fourth creature type is in people's decks. And the worst feeling in the world is sitting there with a removal spell that can't get rid of the target. Uh, as a Tashiro player, there used to be a lot of the old destroy target, non-artifact, non-black creature. It's a little more generic, but um, but yeah, Victim of the Night can be a really solid move. Just don't be playing it against a uh, werewolf deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bramble Crush is really solid, though. It, it, it does something that green generally can't do, which is unconditional removal of a thing that isn't a creature. Every Yeah, it gets everything except for creatures. Your opponent's one land getting you down? Murder it. And it's Planeswalkers, too, which is very nice. Um, Appears Eric won't be joining us again, <laughs> unfortunately, because his Discord is misbehaving. He has recorded his favorite flavor. So uh, hopefully we'll stick that in there now. Uh, favorite flavor is Army of the Damned. Uh, this is probably my favorite zombie flavor card ever printed. It is just amazing at showing off of how relentless and endless zombies should feel. Uh, Rooftop Storm is a close second, just because it's a great reference to Frankenstein, but Army of the Damned is a big old sorcery that will get you 13 2-2 zombies. It is 8 mana, 5 and 3 black, put 13 2-2 black zombie creatures tokens onto the battlefield, tapped. Immediately, there's a visual change in the board, where all of a sudden, you have 13 tokens just laying out sideways on your side of the battlefield, and, you know, if you want to go really spicy, you could have an Amulet of Vigor and a Haste Enabler, and all of a sudden, this card is an absolute threat, but even baseline, just like, 
you now have 26 power on the battlefield, ready to attack next turn. The cool thing about this is, it's a great trope in a lot of zombie media, is that when you feel like you've dealt with the horde, you've only just begun. And this card gets that across by having flashback for 7 and 3 black. So for 10 mana, you get another 13 zombies, another 26 power, another just horde of creatures that your opponents have to cut through. And it does a great job of showing that zombies on Innistrad are relentless, are powerful, and are endless. And just this continuous threat that just pours over the walls. Yeah, I really enjoy Army of the Damned. I think it's a great flavor card, and happy to get to talk about it. Hopefully, I get my Discord fixed, and they can just harvest this audio. If not, have a good one, and uh, check us out on all of our websites and everything. Boy, that was some good flavor, Eric. I enjoyed <laughs> that sweet, sweet mm. flavor. I'm going to leave it like that. I think that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeez. Um, oh, I am so sorry. Literally every time I go to talk, you also go to talk, and I just am like, I feel like an asshole. <laughs> no, no, no. You, no, you go. Okay. You go. You go. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to talk about my favorite flavor right now. Now, this one might come as a surprise to many, so let me explain myself. My favorite flavor in... This set is Graph Digger's Cage. Right off the bat, if you heard of this card, but maybe hadn't seen it, uh, and you heard of what it does, you might think this is sort of just like another kind of like generic, uh, like graveyard hate spell. Like, I I feel like this falls under like the relic of Progenitus and like Sentinel Totem type graveyard hate, where it's just like it's an artifact that just like gives them hate. You know, it's like Nile Spell Bomb. It's not like Bajuka Bog, where it's like okay, you're like. Fucking up the graveyard a little bit, you know, <laughs> with the bog. Um, <clears throat> until you look at what the uh, art on the card actually is. And this isn't even the art segment, uh, by the way. So could, could you tell us what the, the card does? Yes, sorry. So, Grafdigger's Cage is a one-mana artifact. Uh, creature cards can't enter the battlefield from graveyards or libraries. Players can't cast cards in graveyards or libraries. Why can't they do that? Well, you see, the reason they can't do that is because the coffins that all their creatures are in are surrounded by this big metal cage. <laughs> and that is what Grafdigger's Cage is. Um, it is because on Innistrad, too many people were just rising from the dead. So they were like, if we're going to bury these people, we're going to do it respectfully in a coffin with the, you know, Avacyn's logo on it or whatever. Uh, and then we're just going to put a giant metal cage around it just in case they decide to become zombies. They can't get out of the ground. <laughs> The second line on that card is players can't cast cards in graveyards or libraries. So, yeah, no zombies are popping out, but no one's reaching in, which is amplified by the fact that, yes, there's a giant metal cage, except on the outside, there's a bunch of spikes. So if you're like <laughs> if you're like a grave robber or a necromancer or something, you can't be going down there and pulling somebody out. Yeah, I like to imagine a necromancer, like, arrives at the graveyard and he's just like, arise, and then the zombies dunk. are just like, doom, 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 Sorry, uh, we can't get out. <laughs> he's like, god damn it, I gotta find another graveyard. <laughs> I think they're based on a, a real thing, too. Like, I, I believe 1800s, 1700s, one of those times, um, there was this idea that, like, if you didn't protect your loved ones, they could rise from the grave and that sort of stuff. So I think it does have some real-world aspects to it as well. That's cool. I didn't, I didn't actually know that. Especially because it stops... Uh, oh, never mind. That was going to be a sweet switcheroo, but that's to Eric's <laughs> Wait, what? Army Flavor of the continues to be yeah. relevant. That Army of the Dam stopped by yep. a Graph Digger cage. Thanks for that one, Eric. <laughs> well, Chad, why don't you tell us about your favorite flavor? So mine, um, as, as Oakley pointed out at the beginning of the pod, I'm a werewolf guy. My, my hope and dream for Midnight Hunt, as has been kind of hinted at is we'll see a solid werewolf commander saw some rumors of maybe naya which would be pretty freaking sweet my favorite card is moon mist and there's there's just so much kind of that's that's going on here for the the flavor for the art but the idea of a two mana instant transform all humans so of course on innistrad as julian mentioned earlier we have dual face cards cards with transform these aren't mdfcs these aren't mobile dual face cards they come in with one side and when you reach a certain criteria they transform is the action they flip so this card transforms all humans you have prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to 
de be dealt this turn by creatures other than werewolves and wolves. So the cleared synergy here is like you got the moon and it's affecting all of your wolves and werewolves and flipping them over into like savage beasts. And I just love the idea kind of that, that scene in the, the third Harry Potter movie, right? Where like they're fighting under the giant whomping willow. No one's really paying attention as the moon slowly rises. And all of a sudden, like the, this human guy transforms into a, a, a monster. And so it's kind of like through this mist, the moon appears, transforms all of your humans. And then everyone else, since it is this misty covering on the ground and you're dealing with like, predators they can't do anything besides just get attacked by the werewolves quick shout out to lost in the woods ridiculous enchantment five mana basically whenever a creature attacks you flip over the top card of your library if it's a forest they stop attacking you because they got lost in the woods <laughs> that's kind of cool actually <laughs> yeah that's cool but then you put it on the bottom anyway it doesn't matter like the forest doesn't go to your hand this isn't a 2018 to 2020 yeah. design it's, it's not just like you flip the top yeah. and put it under for five mana. But I just love it. It's like, nah, not today. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cheva, my favorite flavor card is also a five mana enchantment, but it's not as good. <laughs> not even as good as Lost in the Woods. Uh, mine is <laughs> Descent into Madness, which is a three black black for an enchantment. It says at the beginning of your upkeep, put a despair counter on Descent into Madness. And I I just love when there's specifically named counters that just always... It's always really good for me, but uh, yeah, put a despair counter on it, and then each player exiles X permanents he or she controls and or cards from his or her hand where X is the number of despair counters on Descent into Madness. Um, This whole kind of like set slash block, it is a Descent into Madness, right? It's, Innistrad is like stereotypical spooky things, and then Dark Ascension is like, oh, wow, this is like even worse, and things are bad, and these are even spookier, scarier. It is kind of exemplary of the set as a whole, also, just the card itself, like your your library, right? Your your stack of cards that you have as your deck is meant to represent like your knowledge, like all these spells that you know and the cards in your hand and stuff. And turn after turn, you're losing more and more and more. It's just all crumbling away. And then eventually you have no cards in hand and also probably no permanence. And you are basically, you, you have fallen into insanity. Um, I think you might also need to be either descending into madness or fully mad to play this card because it's horrible. But uh, I respect the gall of them printing this. It's a mythic rare, too. A mythic rare. What a waste of a slot. The craziest thing I find about this card, Julian, is you referenced kind of the Innistrad feel of Innistrad's the spookies. Dark Ascension is when things get even spookier and scarier. This card's from Avacyn Restored. This is when things are going great. <laughs> and then they're like, but some people are also kind of tossed into the pit of madness. You know what? This must yeah, be that, that like occurs. right before, right at the darkest dark, right before <laughs> yeah. the brightest dawn. Like right before the Hellvolt <laughs> opens and Avacyn uh, comes streaming out. That must be like this. I don't know the full story. Like I don't know when in Avacyn Restored that happens, but yeah. Um, A very flavorly similar card, which I nominate for best name in the set. Uh, is called Increasing Confusion, <laughs> where you, uh, <laughs> it's part of the increasing cycle, which, you know, is increasing vengeance, very cool, but uh, it has to do with, like, milling cards, you know, standard magic, losing your mind. Also, good flavor text on this. The flavor text across Innistrad block has just been, like, banger all the mm -hmm. way. The stairs lead down in both directions. Spooky. <laughs> yeah, I think Innistrad's one of the first blocks they did really top-down. Um, where the kind of setting came first and then trying to figure out ways to do with it. So anytime that kind of happens, you get a real amount of good flavor text. I believe it's also the last set that Richard Garfield worked on or the last block. Interesting. Well, what's the opposite of descent into madness? Let's come back into the light. Ascent into happiness. Ascent into yeah, knowledge. Let's, <laughs> let's do that. Knowledge. <laughs> let's do that and uh, talk about our favorite art real, real quick. And I'm going to leave this little bit in because if you're not listening on Patreon, then you don't have this segment. But I'm going to dangle it in front of your face anyway. Subscribe on Patreon. <laughs> okay, we're back. We just talked about favorite arts, and you guys missed it, suckers. <sighs> I know, especially Eric's. That was sounds like it's going to be life-altering, so good for Eric. That was great. All right. We're back in normal zone. Wow. What a time. What a, what a, what a set. What a block. What a... What a great group of cards that we talked about. Am I right? Yeah, what great a great self. draft environment. Yeah, Ooh. that's for sure. Well, of course, something to look forward to. Uh, we didn't touch on it about the in the um, the news podcast we released last week, but for 2022, there's going to be an Innistrad double feature. Imagine if two sets 
following each other were related in some way. In local game stores, they're going to do both Crimson Vow and Midnight Hunt as a draft environment, including um, packs from both, which I'm, I'm super excited for. I was going to suggest that we do like a, an Innistrad draft, like get a box or something. And then I remembered that they are like $500. So yeah, maybe the, we won't the, do that. one of the best draft environments, the boxes aren't too cheap. <laughs> An old set too. I think that was like 10 years ago now, like 2011. Yeah. It's, it's pretty ancient, but um, great set. We talked about a lot of cards, play those cards or at least admire them. Look at the art, make it pretty, appreciate the flavor. That's definitely one of the, the best parts of this set. But overall, just play the cards. Boys? Jules, Oak, Chev, Hexdrinkers? Hexdrinkers.com. At the Hexdrinkers. Shit, I didn't even do the plug. I was going to say, I didn't even, I was I was about to be like, we're signing out. I didn't even do the plug. Uh, Yeah. We're the Hexdrinkers. We do content. Um, You're listening to our podcast right now, maybe on Anchor, maybe on Spotify, maybe on Apple Podcasts. You can find us any of those places if that's where you're not. Um, But also you can find it on wherever else podcasts are found. Podcasted podcasted what is the proper language terminology for that i don't know is podcast an official word is it in the dictionary i don't know don't answer that question anyway you can go to our website hexdrinkers.com thank you chad for reminding me uh we've got the podcast there we've got articles there we've got videos there um all sorts of stuff we uh, also put videos out on youtube check out theoretically it should be up there uh, a draft video that we did when wizards was so kind to give us the free draft environments so check that out uh, youtube.com slash hex or check us out live streaming on twitch.tv slash the hex uh we have a stream coming up i just don't know what it is so whoop de do it's a surprise <laughs> for me and you uh and then lastly if you want to connect with us directly you can hit us up on social media instagram twitter at hex or send us an email at hex at gmail Dot com. Lastly, I plugged this earlier. If you do like what we're doing, if you want to support us, toss a coin to your witchers, uh, which I is I say that a few times, but it's even more relevant now because we're talking about Innistrad. Go to patreon.com slash hexdrinkers. Uh, feel free to support us there. There's all sorts of great benefits to supporting us there. You get access to the full uncut podcast. You get access to all of our notes. So if you want to see more detailed descriptions of what we're talking about, our full thoughts on the topic, um, that is the full experience there, as well as other benefits like maybe we'll do a podcast about your deck. Maybe you'll get featured on our website, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's all sorts of stuff. Check it out and feel free to support us if you like the content that we're doing and you want to help us make more of said content. Can I sign out now? Yes. Bye-bye. Bye.